the first thing, especially if you were, I work in a large global company and when you're a large global company and you have a sense of purpose that is a bit more than just doing your business, um, you care for your employees. You basically want to make sure that um, you're not going to do something, a wrong decision that is going to impact them. And what it means is you care for their employability. You care for them to be relevant. Um, so if you really care about your people, I would say, just as a matter of showing care, you should care about the skills and about the fact that they are still, you know, employable. And, um, and you know, some people say the more you invest on their employability, the more they are likely to stay with you, you know, which is a kind of a, a counterintuitive uh, <laughs> phenomenon. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Hacking HR podcast. One of the topics that has emerged as the most important conversations in the workplace is around learning, upskilling, and reskilling the workforce. In fact, uh, most of research asking uh, business leaders what are, what are the top concerns they have for their organizations going forward. Among the top three or top five, they say the lack of skills to tackle the challenges and to seize the opportunities that they see for their organizations going forward. And as you know, uh, HR has a lot to say. And not only that, I believe that HR can become the leader in the reskilling and the upskilling sort of initiative strategy for any organization. And we're going to have a conversation about that today with somebody who has been in the space of leadership development, talent management, learning and culture for a long time, helping organizations, helping people not only envision that future, but also helping them make it happen. So, Sofian, welcome to the show. How are you? Hi, Enrique. Good to be here. Thanks for having me. I look well, forward to the session. Well, thank you so much for being today in the podcast. I, I am excited about the conversation. You know, part of what I do with Hacking HR is, uh, you know, supporting the HR community for their upskilling and reskilling. And very often we talk about things that are not too tangible for HR. And let me give, let me tell you what that means. You know, for example, right now, a lot of companies are struggling to find talent to work for them. So that is a tangible problem that they have today. But now if I tell them, you got to prepare your workforce for jobs that do not exist today, but will exist in five years down the road, they are like, oh, that's too far for me. I don't have the time for that and whatnot. So let me ask you this. How do we begin either convincing people and, and, and asking them to take some time to to dedicate energy, resources to upskill and reskill their workforce for things that may not happen right now, but in two, three, four, five years down the road? How do we even do that? Yeah, I, I hope I can answer that with clarity, but let me start with my kind of in, intuitive thinking around it. I, I mean, the, the first thing, especially if you were, I work in a large global company, and when you're a large global company and you have a sense of purpose that is a bit more than just doing your business, um, you care for your employees. You basically want to make sure that um, you're not going to do something, a wrong decision that is going to impact them. And what it means is you care for their employability. You care for them to be relevant. Um, so if you really care about your people, I would say just as a matter of showing care, you should care about the skills and about the fact that they are still you know, employable. And, um, and, you know, some people say the more you invest on their employability, the more they're likely to stay with you, you know, which is a kind of a, 
counterintuitive uh, <laughs> phenomenon. The, the other thing I will say is, it's not just because it's the right thing and it's cool and it's nice with people. It's also the right thing to do because if you don't invest on your people and you consider, you know, you know, your your people are your best asset. You know, when you have an asset, whether it's a building or something, you you invest on it to make sure that it keeps the same value. And it's the same for people. Yeah. If you don't invest in them and make sure they upskill and reskill and get ready for the future, what you end up having is a is a is a liability where you have thousands of people who have skills that you you don't need. And then the question comes. What do you do with that? And to avoid getting into a, a massive, you know, downsizing like some companies are doing, you'd rather be proactive. So I would say these are the first two angles I will I will initiate a, a discussion mainly with the business leaders. Yeah, and and you know you're actually making me think that if all the companies in the world decided not to invest in the long-term employability and skills of their workforce, what's going to happen when that future actually arrives? is that there won't be talent to fill up the, the, the new jobs needed because nobody ever invested in them. And that's, qu that's quite a problem for organizations. Absolutely. And, and, and this is where we get stuck in when you think in terms of win-lose mindset, which is, yeah. um, which is the, the, the core of, of, of capitalism or our corporate strategy, because it's about, you know, you think about scarcity in the market, you, you think about how can I get talent before others and, 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 and therefore you talk about this war for talent, but this game of reskilling is a game where if we all come this together, we all win yeah. as an industry. And uh, if you're like, okay, I'm going to let the others invest and I'm just I'm going to build on their efforts, actually you, you end up losing yourself. So um, I think it's also a paradigm in the, in, in the society that is happening. This, this kind of win-lose mentality is, is somehow shifting away slowly. Uh, absolutely. You know, one thing that I, um, th that I believe HR can be a true change maker and a, an agent of leadership for organizations and people towards the future of work is in this very space, in the space of upskilling and reskilling. And I don't yeah. mean this as in creating a leadership development program. I mean, that, that's, that's, that's kind of like the, that, that traditional approach. It's kind of like the old school uh, thinking. Yeah. What I'm saying is, I believe that HR can look into the future and say, you know what, this is the direction in which our industry is going. And one example that I love that I have mentioned to, to HR in several opportunities is the manufacturing space and 3D printing. You know, it is expected that in America by the year 2030, 50% of the households will, ha will have a 3D printer at home. The disruption of the manufacturing sector will be dramatic because of this. There will be you know, we will need a new set of skills and, and whatnot. So if HR can look into that, they can also help their people prepare for, for it right now. So what do Absolutely. you see the role of HR being in all this, besides being a leader, hopefully you see that way. What do you see the role of HR being in all this big question of upskilling and reskilling the workforce? Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and that resonates particularly well because I work for a, a chemical company that produces plastics and this is at the core of our industry. Um, Look, I, I think there are, there are a couple of challenges here. The first thing is convincing people that we need to reskill, and especially in the manufacturing world where people are thinking about, you know, we've always been effective, we just need to have more margin and be yeah. more efficient. Uh, 
it's very hard for business leaders to think in terms of the future of the skills. So I think the HR role here is to look beyond what's there, you know, and uh, look at the, you know, short-term, mid-term and say, these are the skills that are the most demanding. These are the skills that are going to impact all strategy in the future. And, and somehow educate. I don't like the word educate because it feels like HR knows everything and is telling, <laughs> but it's more like partner, the kind of knowledge partnership with the business into, okay, you're going that direction, but uh, do you know that, uh, you know, in the five, next five years, you know, the differentiation in this industry will be through, you know, technology, you know, and if it's through technology, what's the impact on our people? What are the key skills we need to have right now? Uh, reskilling is not easy. And, uh, I, you know, I, I don't see uh, any big company that can say we have reskilled successfully. It's a yeah. continuous battle, yeah. if you will. And you always have the question, reskilling for what and for when? Yeah. Yeah. And the challenge that comes is like, okay, um, today we're going to invest massive amounts uh, of, you know, time and, and, and investment to make sure we get the skills of, you know, let's say data scientist or data science or whatever, you know. And the risk here is you try to move the whole organization to invest in this and build. And by the time you build it, the world has changed. So these yeah. skills are no longer needed. And you can be smarter or try to be smarter and say, okay, I'm going to invest straight into what's needed in five years. So by the time I do it, but this is very risky as well. Yeah. Uh, and also for business leaders, why should I spend money on something that is going to come back in five years? I have urgent needs in the next five years. I may not survive. So that's always a tricky, a tricky uh, uh, conversation to have. And I think that it's, we should always be, you know, somehow have three types of speed. One is like the urgent today, and 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 there are ways to address that. You could you could look at the gig workforce that is you know growing and growing. I think it's more than fifty percent of the workforce in the U.S. Um, and you could look at consulting. You can look at automation, etc. Then you have a midterm, which is a kind of two to three to four years, where this is where I think the main game is. It's really where it's the most important. The long-term game needs to be played, but it's you have more time and it's always a kind of risky and it needs to be very uh, in touch with the corporate strategy. This is how I, I see those things. Yeah, absolutely. You know, one, one, one thing that this is reminding me is how important it is for, well, for business leaders, of course, but, but again, for HR leaders, and I especially address this to HR because I think this is a wonderful opportunity to make a significant difference. Yeah. But they have to, they have to step out of traditional HR thinking and start looking into other industries. Uh, one, one thing that comes up when I keynote a session or, or I do a presentation, I talk about climate change and, yeah. and people are like, wait a second, you're talking about the future of HR and you're bringing climate change. What is the relationship between these two things? And it's, it's very clearly, just look at some of the countries that are at the most, at most risk from climate change and their diasporas, including highly talented people will be migrating from one place to the other. I mean, if Absolutely. you don't take this into consideration for your future recruitment, talent strategies, employee experience, your technology yeah. uh, platforms, you will be missing an opportunity to get ready for something that we know it's going to happen. So, Absolutely. but it's a stepping Absolutely. out of traditional thinking, right? Absolutely. And, uh, you know, I, I'm, the first thing I will say, if you rely on business leaders to do that, you know, you, you're not going to get there because they really need the help of, you know, HR and understand the skills, how we build skills, what kind of time frames, what kind of efforts, et cetera. 
Um, but, but back to your point of, um, you know, the, the central role of HR, you know, I, I like to use a metaphor, which is not mine, but you, usually we say in HR, you need to have a bit of a, of a telescope, a microscope and a kind of periscope. <laughs> so the kind of the telescope, long-term strategic, big picture thinking, you need to have the microscope to look at details and, and analyze. But the periscope is what I like. Like when everybody's in the water, you need to be able to go out of the water and look at what's around. Yeah. And I think in that space, this is what HR needs to do. And uh, the traditional workforce planning, you know, strategic workforce planning that many big companies have, you know, I'm, I'm sometimes quite critical about this because it's a very rigid mechanistic way, yeah. focusing on numbers and, and not really on insights. And usually, you know, you, you deploy a big plan with a lot of Excel sheets and lines and columns and, and numbers, but the quality of the dialogue is what's important. And this is really where HR needs to be leading and is to kick off a dialogue around this. Um, yeah. No, I, I, again, I think like, like, like we have said throughout this conversation, the opportunities for HR to lead the way are incredible. I, 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 Honest, I've been in the space for HR, of HR for a long time, and I don't think there has been, at least in my career or even looking back, you know, looking into in, in the history of HR, I don't think there has been a better time for HR to take the lead in many different spaces. And I, you know, I, we, we can understand that HR is very busy with the, with what you call the, you know, what's, what requires urgency, this, you know, yeah. fast speed, but you got to keep some percentage of your energy in long-term or periscope kind of a kind of approach, Absolutely. right? To to make sure that you're delivering value end to end. Absolutely, and I, I think it's it's not only about doing it ourselves as HR. It's about driving that with the business leaders. It's about right. holding business accountable to say, hey, what are you doing for the future? You know, you you also have a, a, a role to play. So that orchestrating uh, is quite important. And in order to be able to do that, you need to have credibility. Yeah. And that's always where, you know, we ourselves fail uh, in HR uh, because we focus on delivering a process or program and, and we focus less on really having a business conversation yeah. through the lenses of HR. Yeah, and, and, I, and I love that you are bringing that up because credibility is built by, of course, you know, having the integrity and the reputation of keeping our word when we say that we're gonna do something, but also having the capacity to have a conversation with somebody who knows that we are making sound recommendations and sound decisions based on evidence, science, data. And this, again, creates another big opportunity for HR to say, I mean, the gut feeling is good, but you know what? I have my data. So let me, let me, let me, let me base my decisions without becoming mechanistic, like you said before, but, yeah. but relying on data to, to make determinations. Yeah, well, I, I have the privilege to work for a company that is um, that the, gives a lot of value to data, to raw data, numbers, but also to intuitions and feelings and stories. And I think many HR people or leaders or departments are seen as being the fluffy people, the people yeah. who care, you know, or, you know, rely on their feelings. And, you know, I think the, the basis should be like the numbers and, and the evidence because that's the language of the business. Yeah. But I still think we need to also bring that intuitive thinking yeah. like because, you know, when you're in HR for a long time, you start to develop that, that sixth sense of understanding where the people are, 
frustrated or disengaged or actually they are you know what kind of dynamics you have in the organization and that, that kind of culture so I think a great HR leader is someone who brings those two together. Yeah, you know? yeah absolutely. And and that that at the end of the day uh, improves the credibility of, of HR. So, uh, Sofian, thank you so much for spending this time with me in the podcast, sharing ideas with the community. And I'm hoping that HR takes ownership of, of that leadership role that they can actually have. So thank you so much for being here. Absolutely. Thank you for having me, Enrique. Thank you. Th thank and you. thank you, everybody. Stay tuned for the next episode of the Hacking HR Podcast. I will see you all soon. Thank you, everybody, for watching or listening to this podcast. I hope you enjoyed the show. Please follow us on our social media and subscribe to our newsletter so that you can stay informed of all the things that we're putting together for you from the Hacking HR community. Thank you so much. Please continue to stay safe, stay well, stay strong, and we will see you soon.